Hey, everybody. It's Moscow here with a quick question, plea, reach out thing, whatever you want to call it before we start the show today. And it is for you, dear listener, to send in an email and make the case for why we should do the next hop grenade in your city. That's right. The Hop Grenade and the Brewing Network team are looking to expand, and frankly, we don't know where the hell to do it. And I know that there are lots of you out there who live in great cities with great populations and great craft beer culture, and maybe something like the Hop Grenade would work in your city. So wherever you live, write in scott at thebrewingnetwork.com. That's Scott with three T's at thebrewingnetwork.com. And let me know why the Hop Grenade would work in your city. Anyway, that's it. Support our sponsors. Shop on Amazon. By the way, you now can shop on Amazon if you live in the U.K. or Canada. Just go to the right-hand side of the Brewing Network homepage, thebrewingnetwork.com. You will see Shop on Amazon. You click on that. You'll have your choice of Amazon U.K., Amazon Canada, Amazon U.S., and you just do all your shopping there as normal after you click through that link. And Amazon gives us a little cut, and it's a win-win, win, lots of wins all around. So there you go. All right, that's it. Enjoy the show. The Sour Hour is meant for the serious brewer. The Sour Hour may contain some seriously funkified content. The Sour Hour is not for the faint of heart. So exercise some damn discretion, would you please? Sheesh. And now, here's the Sour Hour with Jay Goodwin. All right. It is that time again. Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. I'm your host, Jay. You're reading that right from your notes, huh? <laughs> Jay's it, got his notes. Jay I'm your is, host, Jay, it says. It's circled on there, so I don't, you know, <laughs> mess that up. I, I just didn't want you to screw up your own name. I know you're jet-lagged, so, you know. I am jet-lagged, and uh, I want to get into that. The reason why I am jet-lagged, we... Uh, had a couple weeks away from the brewery and had a lot of uh, exciting beer adventures that uh, were just uh, a whole lot of fun, uh, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, we're at the Brewing Network Studios here in beautiful downtown Concord. It's very hot today. Oh, my God. And I'm extremely happy to be inside of the studio. And then also to have the Warriors game on uh, in about an hour outside. Yeah, we got Warriors, Giants, hot weather, patios, good sour beer. Pretty Life sweet. Good. Pretty sweet. That voice you're hearing is Scott. Hey, Scott. Hey. And I'm your host, also, Jay. I mean, uh, damn it. My notes are <laughs> fucked up. And Bebo's here, too. Hey, Bebo. Hello. I hear you lost your keys. Is everything okay back there? Oh, gosh. Yes. Everything is fine. I found them. They were located. We're good. This is textbook beef. She calls it like uh, 447. Oh, my she, gosh. Hey, I'm at Costco. I don't have my keys. I lost uh, my keys. I have to find them. <laughs> In the store. Uh, it's like, retrace your steps. It was literally like, I had this moment of panic and I was just like, this, I have to call AAA. There's no way. I'm never going to find my key. And then I have to wait outside in the 100 degree weather and it's going to be a whole thing and it's my own fault. And your keychain is comically big. So it's not as if you just had a key fob that you misplaced. No, this no, is no, a no. janitor's ring. It's like, yeah, that, that's, you hear that? That's your, yeah. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> let me just be clear. They're all relevant. And if I broke them into two separate key rings i'd lose everything i I mean that's kind of a humble brag with your keys it's like yeah i have so many keys because i'm extremely important Uh i have many places i need to access but i don't want other people to have access to (laughs) it's a whole thing (laughs) 
Well, I'm glad everything seems to be in order back there. For um, now. <laughs> until you, the next crisis. You ever notice how people give you, like, really unhelpful advice whenever you lose things? Like, uh, retrace your steps. Uh, where did you leave them? It's like, well, they wouldn't be lost if I knew that. If I knew that, jerk. yeah, thanks. And the guy at Costco who actually had them, I was pretty sure I knew where I had left them. And so the guy, when I was ex- describing the monstrosity that is my keys to him, he he's looking at me and I'm like, there's a circle keychain. It says platform nine and three quarters from Harry Potter. <laughs> he's looking at me and he's kind of judging me. And then he gives me this face like, I have your keys. And then he's like, how much will you pay me? And I'm like, bro, I got somewhere to be. I'm in a hurry. <laughs> wow. I... I know someone who I won't name who lost their passport and went to the passport office and was they were like, there's a place on the form, how'd you lose it? He's like, you know, N.A. because it's lost. Yeah. Like, you really need to put something on this uh, this form, sir. It's like, uh, I don't know how yeah, I lost it. If I, I knew that, I would have found it. Totally. Already, so. uh, I lost it by leaving it in my toiletry bag in the Hilton ho- hotel room that I, okay, well, now you know where it is. Maybe yeah. that's it. Maybe they just want to solve your problem with their form. Maybe. Maybe they're trying to help. I've also lost my passport. <laughs> who hasn't? I mean, such a mess. But yeah, well, everyone's everyone had their passport on our recent trip, and uh, we were able to, to get going. But I'll tease that again. We'll get into that in a little bit. But first, tonight's show, we have uh, a Q&A show lined up. We're going to do some listener beers, and then also uh, Dr. Lamb is going to join us in a little bit and uh, talk about what's going on with SourBeerBlog.com, our great sponsor, but also a, a great source of information for all you uh aspiring sour beer brewers and you know we mention sour beer blog all the time on the show but really if you haven't gone and you have a free you know hour to read one of the articles because they're so extensive really get into it i mean they're in great depth and you know five ten years ago when information about sour beer was you know so hard to get people would have killed for a resource like this so you know don't take it for granted go visit the site and get into some of those articles while I'm telling you what to do, I'm also going to tell you to call in and join the show, 888-401-BEER. Join us in the chat, only for the first show, though, because uh, Bevo's leaving us, I think, at 6 o'clock. So, no. Correct. Yeah. To deal with her family, and I'm doing the air quotes thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Family. <laughs> I mean, I could just leave Abby wherever she is and, yeah. you know. She's practically an adult by now. She'll be fine. She? Yeah. Trial yeah. by fire. Look, I've already lost my keys today. <laughs> yeah, right. You're the one looking after her? <laughs> If you have any feedback on Scott's parenting advice or on the show, you can email Scott at thebrewingnetwork.com. Yeah, Abby's, uh, Abby's five. Just Is she five? Four. <laughs> She's four. four. She's not quite four and a half. She's a very mature four. Wow. Yeah, she'll be fine on the, the mean streets. Uh, join <laughs> she'll us. be fine on Bart. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Bart was crazy coming over. But uh, Oh, you actually didn't drive today. Well, yeah, my car's all... Oh, that's right. Yeah, all the Volvo's up. in the shop. Yeah, the A's game was just getting out, so it was pretty crowded, but... Made it over here in plenty of time and, and happy to be here. Uh, if you want to be here with us, go ahead and watch us, thebrewingnetwork.com slash TV, or listen live via the Brewing Network app. Just search for BN Mobile. And also uh, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and uh, leave us feedback. I checked uh, just the other day, and we're up to 29 five-star reviews. Nice. Perfect rating. So thank you guys for that and the support. It really helps us... Uh, you know, edge out all those other how-to podcast podcasts, which is the category we were under. If you're listening to the last episode, not quite sure why. Actually, Justin's here, so we could ask him why that is. But Maybe he just he wants to be category defining. I think know? I think he doesn't want us in the same category as the session. Oh, yeah. Unless we overtake it. I think what we should do is 
if you guys are kind enough to leave us a review, go ahead and leave us a review, but just make it about how bad the session is. <laughs> so it's just like totally competitive, and then we just overtake them and secretly yeah. transfer over into the, the hobbies category or wherever they are. So should they leave the good reviews for this show on the sessions page? Ooh, I like that too. I like that too. And then badmouth the session on ours. I like this yeah. idea. But I don't, you know, no need to put bad reviews on the session page. That's just, you know, a low blow. We can, it's, it's all in good fun. But we do appreciate you guys helping us out. That helps us, you know, reach more people and, you know, more people who want to know about sour beer. All right. Now that that's all over, want to get into some recent happenings? Yeah, man. I'm uh, listening to you a little bit. I think we saved most of it for the air, but about your uh, trip that you just got back from, a little Copenhagen action. And I got to tell you, I'm not an, an envy, envious or, or jealous person uh, by my nature, but I'm pretty damn envious I wasn't on that trip. Believe it or not, that was the cherry on top to kind of a long trip. But uh, before I get into that, just a few rear barrel things I want to touch on off the top. A lot of bottle releases coming out, so this is... You know, I'm not trying to, you know, do a full sales pitch here, but it's more like, you know, we we get a lot of emails from listeners who are coming by and wanting to visit the Rare Barrel. I'd say now is a really good time. Now and kind of going forward, we started to bottle um, a lot more consistently. You know, the, our sour beer flow is getting a lot better. So when you do come to visit the Rare Barrel, we'll have a lot, a, a better selection. And it's more, it's been pretty hit or miss whether you come and there's any bottles for sale at all, and they'll sell out uh, quickly, or you know, we'll just have long lulls when the beer just isn't quite ready yet. So we're we're coming into a period where uh, we're going to have a lot of bottles. So we've got hypnotized, which is a raspberry red sour. We've got keen observation, which is a golden with apricot, and just coming out this week is another world, which is a red sour. Scott's got some in, in the his glass. glass right now. Oh, delightful. And, right uh, on the edge, right in that edge of, right uh, the, of acidity for for this man's palate. For sure, it's it's, a, it's a, on the on the happy side of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a bold uh, a bold sour. It, there is some uh, residual sweetness from the malt. You get a little touch of kind of chocolate to it. So it's not you know your your tart saison level of sour. Your oh, I'm gonna slam a few pints of this. It's a good good one to share. So we I mean we like to mix it up a little bit and kind of vary across the spectrum of acidity um well and, and more than just the acidity for this beer you were telling me this is because it's um red in color and i assumed it was your red base but you're telling me this is actually a blend of your golden and your dark base yeah it's kind of fun to do uh kind of alternative blends sometimes and this is one where we did uh, a couple of different blends with it and just decided that this would be a fun version of another world and it's with our gold and our actually our uh, black base, which we don't talk too much about on the show, but basically that's got a few, a little bit less character malt, got a little bit of roast to it. I, I don't think this beer has especially large amount of roast. Nope. Just a touch to make you think, kind of remind you of chocolate, but it's the the body is maybe not as bold as our as our typical red. So I think it all balances out pretty well. But yeah, definitely a fun beer, and there'll be a lot more coming out in the coming weeks. This isn't the first time you've done the the golden and black mix to make a red, or is it? Hmm. Or should I call your lackeys and ask them? That's that's definitely a good idea. Um, always good to ask them over me. Actually, I don't know why I'm here. They should all be here. I'm just going to check out now. <laughs> um, but I, it, it's probably not the first time, but I, I think it's the first time we may have done it in a bottle. I sort of recall us doing it with a previous red beer, maybe that we fruited, but I can't recall off the top of my head. But it is kind of fun. It, that's what I would say the character that it imparts a little bit less of the 
crystal malt, there is some chocolate, but it's less than you may be used to, and then it's a little bit of black. And you see, you kind of get that slight roast character, which you got to be really careful with, I think, in a sour beer. Because, you know, if you've got astringency and a lot of roast, then too much of that can just be a clash with the acidity of the beer. So fun stuff coming out. Um, so if you're if you're in town for a visit, I would definitely swing by. It's a good time to come by. Quickly on our last episode, I just wanted to hit hit that up, Dr. Matt Bachman. Hmm. We love our Dr. Matts from Indiana University. We had him on talking about bottle conditioning and his study that he did with uh, Upland Brewing about terminal acid shock, which is basically about bottling really sour beer. And having trouble with uh, re-fermentation. Yep, just acclimating those bottle conditioning yeasts. Yeah, so I definitely would go back and listen to that show to get some good tidbits. And I think, uh, you know, that's that's some good advice. I think we'll start getting, you know, in the coming months, we'll start getting feedback on some brewers trying that out. And I'm definitely, I'd definitely like to try that out at the rear barrel as well. Is it going to be um, acidic level dependent? Because, I mean, his, his point was just do it across the board. Sure. I, I think... It would make sense to try it for, for like the way I'm going to approach it is to try it out on a beer that maybe we have a, a concern about how the, the high acidity level or total acid do our normal bottling routine, which has worked very well for us. Um, we've had some delays, but for the most part, we've been pretty consistent, but just take off a portion of it, treat that in, you know, his, his recommendation and then bottle a small portion and see if there's a difference there. It's a little risky to do it with the whole sure. whole batch. So, I mean, that's that we've talked about this a lot on the show. That's kind of my approach to experimentation is just, hey, I'm down to do anything. It's just about allocating the right amount of beer to the experiment. You know, how confident are you in changing your process? Is it a, a small thing that you're very confident in? Okay, well, maybe do it for the whole batch of beer that you're dealing with. If it's very experimental and you don't know a lot about it and there's not a lot of information online, hey, you know, throw it into a liter flask or one gallon or five gallon carboy, whatever it might totally. be, and go from there. All right. So definitely go check out that show. But yeah, what, what's been happening lately is a lot of travel for us. We went from uh, Philadelphia to Copenhagen for a couple of CBCs. We went to the Craft Brewers Conference first, that was in Philadelphia. Then we went to the Copenhagen beer celebration in Copenhagen. CBC. Very confusing. Mm. A lot of <laughs> a lot of breweries were talking about many different CBCs during this trip, but uh it's fun to see everyone. Uh there's a lot of great talks at CBC. Uh, our friend Garrett from Gesture King gave gave a great talk on fruit refermentation. Just a lot of good info about kind of matching different fruits to different techniques and kind of just treating each fruit as its own entity and just a lot of great info there. Let me say this to you about Jester King. Mm-hmm. I, I went to Austin, Texas um, a few weeks ago, I think while you were gone and uh, did make it out to Jester King uh, in person. Um, went out to the, the uh, country, uh, the hill country, the hill there. country mm-hmm. yeah. and really, I mean, everybody that's been there knows this or has even seen pictures, really beautiful setting. And I was lucky enough to uh, go with the, I think it was the seller manager. I'm for me that I'm forgetting exactly who the what the title of the person was that took me back there and I got a bottle of atrial rubicite Ooh, that had been sitting favorite. there for a while my favorite um, but interestingly 
speaking of bottle conditioning yeast, it was a really different beer than the one oh, wow. uh, that I remember having on the show. And I think, I'm guessing just because maybe a lot of that raspberry character has been eaten over the last, whatever, it's been eight months, a year mm-hmm. since I had that beer. And it's, it's that same batch that's still sitting there, just the bottles that are left. Yeah, for sure. And we've talked about fruit beers, fruit sour beers, and how you know they do diminish over time. But I, you know, sometimes I feel like fruit sour beers are held to kind of an unfair standard where you know they, they are beers that are best fresher than uh, you know the the sour beers that don't have those additions. But I think the thing that's great about fruited sour beers is that the base is still good and the base will develop. And as the, although the fruit may diminish, it's still going to taste good. Mm-hmm. And the base, you know, should complement that fruit. So that kind of makes it to me like a very special thing when you compare it to something like, you know, a dry hop double IPA or something like that. Mm-hmm. You, that's on a small, uh, not a small, a shorter time scale, but you know, that diminishes very quickly as well. But as it diminishes, you know, maybe there are some off flavors produced by uh, oxidized hops. I don't, think that really happens to sour beer as much it just kind of fades away a little bit totally. more. yes so. it certainly didn't with that bottle it was still just a world-class incredible beer just, I just thought the, diff- the difference was interesting and definitely uh, noticeable uh, but i mean it was great great brewery okay so uh jester king was out there who else yeah uh new belgium and avery gave a talk on sour beer that was uh really great um and then the last day was the big, you know, kind of they, they save a finale talk. The keynote. Yeah. Oh, well, the, the keynote was another story. That's a different oh. <laughs> That's a different story. I'll tell you off air. But uh, oh. the last talk Jeez. is always like a sour beer talk. And this one was uh, how to make spontaneous beer. And that was, a bra- that was some pretty heavy hitters. So that was uh, Chase from Prairie and Vinny from Russian River, uh, Jeffrey from Jester King, and then also uh, our friend Jason from Allagash. And I just got one more thing on Jason Perkins. He won the Russell Sharer Award for Innovation in Craft Brewing, which is like, if you look at the list of brewers who have won that award, it's, you know, it's basically like a list of your favorite brewers totally. in the world. And, uh, you know, it's, I just want to say uh, to Jason and Allagash, congratulations, and that's very well-deserved. You know, their beers have been definitely an inspiration to us at the rare barrel and i know to a lot of the people listening to the show so congrats on that and he gave a great part of his talk during the spontaneous uh session but it's just cool to see you know we've talked to jason we've talked to Vinny, uh we didn't talk to jeffrey but we talked to uh garrett and adrian from jester king uh, i plan on getting chase from prairie on the show nice uh sometime soon so it's just cool to see that you know even though a lot of this information is at CBC and I know there's a lot of homebrewers listening who maybe won't be able to get access to that, you know, through the show, I think you're hearing a lot of the stuff that you hear at CBC. So that was, that was pretty cool, but there, there was extra too. all those guys did a great job on their panels. Yeah, um, major kudos to, uh, to Allagash there. And I mean, they have had a major impact. I mean, for years already now we've been feeling the impact of Allagash. So it's, cool that they're finally getting like officially recognized for it right i mean they could have been given this award five years ago right oh yeah and i'm i'm not totally sure but maybe i, I mean rob todd might have been given this oh award, really so okay but i mean yeah they're they're have they're heavily awarded okay. uh as a brewery but it's just nice to see jason get that recognition for his hard work so nice. great job jason and then we actually had a panel uh so it was uh myself uh andrew emerton and lauren salazar from new belgium our friend Brandon Jones from Yazoo and Milk the Funk. 
And then also Michael Kaiser from Good Beer Hunting. We were on a panel talking about how to label and communicate sour beer to consumers. Because I think with people jumping into sour beer, there's all these different kinds of sour beer. So, you know, there's kettle sours and then there's mixed fermentation and then there's Brett only and then there's, you know, spontaneous beer, all these different things that I think mean a lot to brewers, but I don't think mean that much to consumers yet. So we went through a whole bunch of stuff, topics like, you know, stain, maybe differentiating sours for stainless only versus wood aged sour beers, kettle sours versus mixed fermentations, maybe spontaneous being its own category. It was more of a discussion than a panel. We weren't kind of saying, hey, this is how it should be. We were, it was very interactive and we were soliciting questions and that went really well. But the main question was, how do we differentiate these different styles and then also communicate it to the beer drinker? So what I wanted to say is, you know, if you guys out there have any thoughts on this, and I'm sure you do, send me an email, jay at thebrewingnetwork.com. And I'd love to incorporate that into the discussion that we started at Craft Brewers Conference, continue from the people who were there at the seminar in an online forum. But yeah, get, give me your feedback on that. I want to know how you guys are selling your sour beers, how do you kind of communicate this to the to the people who come into your tap room or how people see your bottles on the shelf. I think it's a really important issue that we need to get into and kind of get on the same page on. We're probably a little bit behind on this issue, to be honest. So it'd be great to kind of get together as an industry. And even if we can't figure it out all at once, you know, at least we can make take some steps to move forward on these uh, on these issues when it comes to kind of differentiating the different sour beers. All right, almost done with CBC. I just want to cap it up with what's the cap for CBC, which is the World Beer Cup. It only happens every two years, so they had it uh, this year. Uh, we were l- lucky enough to win uh, in the American Sour category for any source sold. Yep. Silver medal. Big silver. Very, very, very nice proud of job, that. Baby. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was, uh, that was quite a thrill, but I actually want to spend a little time shouting out some other... Uh, Great breweries. Uh, 21st Amendment won two awards for uh, Down to Earth and Toaster Pastry. Nice. Both just delicious, delicious beers. And I saw uh, Sean up there on stage. And after we got off stage, and he was he was pretty stoked. But that was awesome to see him win. Uh, my old friends at the brewery won a silver for Oud Tart, a beer that's very close to my heart. And just one of the best sour beers in the world. Great to see them go back up there. Uh, Wicked Weed, Red Angel. Another sour beer, that one bronze. Great to see uh, Walt do really well. They're doing, they're killing it out there in the Fungatorium. Uh, Luke, if he ever learns to love sour beer, you know, maybe <laughs> he'll a, what a maybe, holdout. maybe he'll drink some of his own sour beers, which are fantastic. Have you heard of a brewery called Thornbridge? They're from I the UK. I have heard of them. Yep. So I don't know if you saw this, but they won gold and silver in the barrel aged sour category. I did see that, yeah, I was which was the like list, yeah. And I looked it up later, and these are they haven't even released them yet. They just bottled a small amount and like sold it, sold it all out, and then sent it to World Beer Cup. And they're they're really, I, I mean, apologies if this is characterized incorrectly, but they're really seemingly just kind of starting to get in the swing of things with their their sour beer program. And it's just so cool that they're getting hit up for these beers that kind of aren't available yet, but they're about to be. So big ups to uh, our friends at Thornbridge across the pond. Yeah, very impressive. And just to to end on a high note, I want to give a special shout out to uh, a great brewer, friend of the Brewing Network, and a a friend of mine, Evan Price from Noble Noble. Oil Works. Yeah, he killed it too. He got a couple golds, didn't he? Oh, 
he he more than killed it. Yeah. He got uh silver for Goza. Yeah. Great. Sour beer champion. Uh he got a bronze for double IPA, which is that's like you know, maybe the second second most competitive category. But you know, that's not enough for this guy. He wins gold go. in IPA. Oh, did he? He won the IPA category? They oh, won gold man. in IPA, and all that added up to champion small brewery of the year. Good for, for him. Noble Aleworks. So big shout out to Evan Price. Nice great job, job buddy. Hell yeah. That was a great moment. All right, I know I'm running long, but I want to quickly go over our trip uh, right after that to Copenhagen Beer Celebration. Unbelievable response. A lot of people came by the booth to try some uh, rare barrel beer. We were pouring there amongst a lot of amazing, amazing breweries. So thank you guys who, you know, chose to spend your time at our booth and had the the nice feedback about our beer. Let me just um, say this before you continue about sure. um, your booth there. Um, the number of entries that uh, Evan dealt with here in the uh, yeah. Imperial IPA, 181 <laughs> bronze. The IPA category, 275 gold. That. God yeah, damn. a gold a gold in that category is like four golds across all the other. I mean, American sour beer is like nowhere nowhere close to that. So yeah, big big props to Evan. That guy, he, he's an amazing brewer, really nice guy. So great job. So here you are, an American sour ale, eighty four yeah. entries, silver for ensorcelled. Uh, were you pouring ensorcelled at, at the booth that they were describing? Just yeah, now? we sure yeah. were. That was nice. one of the more popular beers uh, we were pouring. Um, but even crazier still than the response to the beer was Scott. I got to tell you how many people came up to me and said they listened to the Sour Hour. It was out of control. Love like, it. you know, we've gotten good feedback, and I've mentioned it on the show at kind of you know different festivals, some BN stuff, some rare barrel stuff craft brewers conference but this was on another level the amount of international listenership that we have i i mean I, i'm not looking at like our stats or anything like that it it was mind-boggling and i just want to say thank you so much to everyone out there who's listening it's great to meet a lot of you in person and and share some beers and take some selfies and that was an awesome time so thank you so much for making copenhagen an even greater experience and, and to be honest, I wasn't the only one who was hearing about the Sour Hour there. There are a lot of Sour Hour alumni in attendance of the festival, too. So DeGard was there. Jester King, uh, Firestone was pouring some Barrel Works beer. Crooked Stave, Sante Adarius, Casey Brewing and Blending, and Side Project, all in attendance. And, yeah, I mean, I was talking to some of those guys, and they were just like, man, that, this Sour Hour thing is like, People actually listen to that show that I was on there. <laughs> <laughs> I love how people are always surprised by it. Yeah. It was, people it, tuned in for it. It was absolutely crazy. So, That's really cool. So it, thank all you guys so much for the support. It, it really just, the Copenhagen Beer Fest was amazing on its own, but you guys really made it, you know, just 10, ten times better. And I, I just can't thank you enough for for supporting the show and listening. And it just, it really means a lot. So thank you guys. Yeah, I, I echo that too. Well, well said. And I always am impressed when I hear, you know, about international contingent Then I know the BNS app for a while and I'm, I'm happy to hear this show does too. The notion of listening to a spoken word audio, spoken word audio content in another language. Oh my God, as somebody yeah. who doesn't speak, and I understand like, well, everyone studies English from a young age over in Europe and it's, uh, it's really just you idiot Americans and only speak English. And I, I fully understand that. It's still impressive that it's right. I mean, how far is that from I, your realm of, of uh, conceivability, just listening to a, co- a podcast in Portuguese about such technical information. I was thinking the exact same thing, and I just started thinking about, man, all like the English idioms I throw out that probably don't make any sense, <laughs> or just like these little inside jokes. Right. It's like, 
man, that must be so hard to get through, but you know, big ups to you guys for, <laughs> for dealing with all that. And it's because, you know, you have a thirst for the same thing we have a thirst for here, which is sour beer knowledge. So, well, and, and colloquialisms aside, I mean, that's another thing I want to say is this is a testament to, to you and your skill of not only, I mean, your brewing skills, everybody <laughs> knows that, but seriously, no, your, your ability to communicate what you do in the brew house so effectively, I mean, to people who it doesn't even matter what language is their first language and the info people glean and the improvement I've had in sour beer in home brewed and commercial sour beer in the two years we've been doing the show or even less is, is market. And that's, that's you, man. That's well, all uh, you. Well, I'm doing I, the, uh, the, I'm not worthy yeah, thing yeah, yeah. from Wayne's world yeah, right yeah. now, just so you know, I respectfully disagree with that, <laughs> oh, but I, you know, it's due to the hard work of, you know, the people, some, some of the people who are listening and even those who don't, you know, there's a lot of talented brewers out there, but I think your point about, you know, people being able to understand me. I mean, I just, after talking to them, I was like, I just started to get really self-conscious. I was like, Oh man, I really got to think about this now. It's like, there's international listeners mm-hmm. and I just got to be like, a little bit sharper and just make sure I'm not kind of like really getting into the nitty gritty of, you know, writing on Bart. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, you got to mix that in. No, People no, love I'm it. just joking. But yeah, uh, not, not to drone on and on about it. it. It just really, it really meant a lot. So thank you guys so much. But, uh, that's really cool. That, that was a long rant by me. And I apologize that it was so much, uh, so much focus on myself at the top of the show, but Let's uh, maybe get into a quick listener question and run, uh, sure. run to, or do you just want to run to a break? We're um, running pretty long. Yeah, we are. Let's, no, we can do a, we can do a question. Okay. Yeah, let's, let's see. Um, there should be some beer information in the first segment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, here, here's, you sent me some, I believe some Milk the Funk questions. Uh, this sure one did. is from Justin Ware. He says, in a Sac Brett mixed ferment, does mashing at a higher temp leave additional dextrins for Brett influencing the Brett flavor? Short answer, yes. Long answer, we've been doing that at the Rare Barrel quite a bit. And we've seen, I would characterize it as minimal improvement in coaxing out Brett character by doing a Saccharomyces, either a Saccharomyces primary fermentation followed by a mixed ferment inoculant or just kind of a, all the kids in the pool at the same time kind of thing where it's Sack, Brett, Lacto, PDO, or some, you know, some combination all from day one or just very early on in the fermentation. To be honest, we're still, we're still kind of, uh, struggling to coax Brett aromatics out of our beers. And we're kind of experimenting with that all the time. I think we have some beers that have increased amounts, but nothing. I mean, I have beers from, I'll just call out you know, one brewery that comes right to mind, which is, uh, Monkish. Mm-hmm. You guys had him yes. on the session uh, a little while ago. Very Brett Ford across the board. Absolutely. And I've been, you know, I, I, I chat with Henry from time to time about how he's doing it. And I try and experiment with his techniques and it's still a challenge for us, but you know, it's just some, some more working on and trying to incorporate more. And in. so they're driving crazy aromatics in their beers. And I think, you know, they're, that's something we strive for, for sure. So we're still trying to incorporate it, but so far I would say, minimal positive results not i don't mean that in a bad way i just mean by magnitude like the results that we've gotten from that technique to drive brett aromatics have been positive but they've been small basically does that make sense yeah yep uh does it feel like something's missing like why why do you pursue brett aroma i don't feel like something's missing you know i like that a lot of our initial beers are very uh, clean aromatically. I think it makes the base beer more versatile when it comes to being able to add secondary ingredients. 
Because, I mean, if you have a Brett beer that's very bready in one direction, then it kind of limits what secondary ingredients will work with that beer. So the the fact that we have a versatile base means we can make a lot of different uh, beers with a lot of different ingredients. I guess the thing that's missing to me is that tool in my tool belt. You know, we talk about building these tools over time and having the blending components. It's like I don't want it in all of my beers, but I'd like it in some so I could, you know, blend in little bits at a time. You want to feel like you have more control to do it when you want it. Yeah, for sure. It's just like anything else, you know, uh, whether you want to blend in a small amount of acetic acid to a beer to give it some kind of sharp pop or, you know, maybe you want some malt character or maybe it's a mouthfeel thing, you know, whatever the blending component you're trying to accentuate, you know, I, I want everything. I want to be able to approach an apricot sour with every type of flavor and every type of aroma I can and then just build the best one from there. And so I feel like, yeah, in in the cellar, maybe that's something that's missing a little bit, but I don't think it's like hurt our the quality of our beers at all. It's just something that we could be doing going forward but there's plenty of other flavors out there that are like that flavors and aromas so you know we're always working towards it and i think there have been uh, a lot of flavor new flavors that we are getting from our experiments but it's like we said before i don't you know i just start we start them and then we don't know where they're going to go and then we evaluate you know what we've gotten from them and go from there so i would say yes there are dextrins but you know i wouldn't count on those to be 100 percent of the the driver of Brett Aromatics. Um, can you do that answer again in Portuguese? Si. <laughs> Perfect. That's all I got. That's, yeah, that's good enough. <laughs> all right, let's take a break. Yeah, please. I need to drink some of my beer, which yeah. I've had one sip of, but we'll be uh, right back on the Sour Hour. Nico, listen, our lawyers said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months to the, to the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> Hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Heller High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew for Your Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in the can. Tasty crack cans. Tasty crack cans. Here's a super last-minute notification for you guys. It's the fourth annual All Sour and Wild Beer Homebrew Competition, open to homebrewers nationwide. Registration closes tomorrow, May 28th. So, yeah, like I said, last minute. But this is a competition to follow and maybe make plans for next year. The competition judging and awards dinner is June 11th. Beers will be divided up by Belgian, American, German, and specialty sour beers. They will award medals for the three best in each category. Also, they have a special Florida Weiss challenge to find the best fruited sour beer go to special hoperations h-o-p special hoperations.org slash wildside to learn more about this competition and maybe do a little last minute shipping or put it on your calendar for next year
We're back. I want to mention before we jump in here, one of our great sponsors, the Wine and Hop Shop. Wineandhop.com. They now carry Omega Yeast. I don't know why I say now. They've, they've been carrying. <laughs> they've never not carried. For a while now, they've been carrying Omega Yeast and Giga Yeast, some of our favorites there. Most items are going to ship within 24 hours. And best of all, all BN listeners, which we confirmed with them, I think, not just the ones that we say are okay. Every BN listener is going to get flat $8 shipping rates on orders under 50 pounds. Just enter BN shipping in the notes field of the shopping cart, and the discount will be taken off after checkout. I did not approve that. Uh, I still need to individually approve okay. the listeners. So you have veto power. That's right. Well, if you want to know if you're on the list or off Scott's list, just uh, go on their website. Wineandhop.com. The Wine and Hop Shop at wineandhop.com. Kabam. We have a caller, is that right? Yep, I think he's in New Zealand. Long way away. Adam. Hello. Hey, Adam, what's up? How you doing? Yeah, are you on a subway or something? No, I'm on the bottom line. This, I was just going to say he's on the bottom line. line. That's exactly what it sounds like. All right, well, then we'll, <laughs> we'll put up with the, the background noise. So what's what's going on, man? Well, I just wanted to say congrats, first of all, James, on the silver. Good job. Oh, thank you very much. Great. You got a question? <laughs> I do. I just wanted to, I just actually, well, before the show started, I was just having a bit of a think about a few things, and I've been listening to uh, for a while, and, and I tend to do a lot of samples. So I've just been five little carvery um, of a few little things here and there, and I was on the, on the stand a couple of weeks ago, and I took a, a uh, bit of work home at the end of the day just to play around with some new face stuff and managed to get my hands on. And I also had some video. And I just wanted to ask Jay, um, and so it's, just, it's a real simple question. It's nothing too complicated. But when you were doing experimenting in the early stages with Rare Bell and you um, were sort of trying to inhibit that, that, uh, that sort of quick souring that video sometimes do, so I wasn't aware from all the listening and the, uh, and the reading, um, was there any particular hop variety that you used, or did you tend to use a specific uh, hop variety or, or variety to uh, get the product that you that you have now, or that you sort of developed into? I'm going to put him on hold because of the noise. Yeah, yeah, that was, that. yeah. I think I did. So he's talking about you know the first experiments we did with different yeast and bacteria strains of the rare barrel, and how did we, you know, inhibit. Something like pediococcus just going wild and out of control uh, right away. You know, for us, actually, at first, my my concern was more the opposite, that I wasn't going to get enough acidity. But now that I've kind of been through it, that is much more of a concern that we have is developing too much acidity. So he's asking, what hop variety would mm-hmm. you use to inhibit PDO? And, I mean, you know, I think hops do it's, – It's this is a, a common cop-out answer, but – it's always strain dependent, so different lactose, different PDOs will respond differently to different IBU and hopping rates. But I think really just a neutral hop. We use a lot of no, noble hops um, at the rare barrel. I, I shouldn't actually say a lot of noble hops. We just because <laughs> we use so few of them. But you know, I just think something that's kind of flavor neutral, just something that you would use as a regular bittering hop on kind of a malt forward beer. Um, I think. And again, I don't know many hop varieties, so I'll just say the ones that I have used. So it's like something like Magnum or Warrior that's a little more uh, alpha or something that's lower like EKG or Saws would be great. That's that's the main – EKG and Saws are the, the main ones we use because they're lower alpha and just kind of uh, nice aromatic quality. But 
we barely put enough in it to to inhibit anything. But it's something you know we talked about before about uh, acidity and the pendulum swinging back and forth. It's something we're going to look into soon enough about kind of higher hopping rates and how that's going to affect our beers on a commercial scale. But I absolutely think it can help curtail the growth of PDO. Also, if you encourage uh, more yeast growth in, in other ways, that could help too. So a balance of those two aspects can help you in your development of PDO. But growing PDO up from a small, I think you said you're doing it in small containers, growing it up from that point to kind of commercial pitchable. I mean, I know you said you're bringing wort home uh, from from the brewery. I'm not sure if this is for your own home consumption or you're growing up for a commercial scale, but uh, I'd say, you know, growing up PDO is, is, is a tough deal. And, you know, you may want to worry about inhibiting it once you get to your your final kind of pitchable volume, if you will. Adam, thanks for calling. Calling from a bottling line. Yeah, I recognize that right away. I was like, yeah. I hope he's not like, you know, I just imagine bottles falling off the conveyor, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's he's on like, the phone. He's, he's been on hold and he's just like, oh, man, <laughs> got to clean that up. Oh, but that good. was that was great. Thanks thanks so much for the call. That was pretty cool. What time do you think it is in New Zealand right now? Oh man, I think it's like four days in the future, one o'clock in the morning. I'm guessing. But really, maybe they're what is that? They're just getting started bottling. I mean, well, let's see. New Zealand time. It is currently twelve fifty seven p.m. tomorrow. Oh, okay, so it's it's like lunchtime. He called from the future. <laughs> That's cool. What's the lot of, remember yeah. we asked, uh, was it the James Howitt, yeah. uh, the Powerball number? Yeah, yeah he didn't He wouldn't know. give it to us. Yeah, China. Jerk. All right, so now uh, let's go again to the phone and uh, talk to Andy. Andy sent us in some, some beers. We got three in front of us here. Uh, very nicely arranged. Uh, we got like a gold, like a sort of a light golden, a, a middling sort of orange golden, and a dark sour. Um, and Andy was kind enough to send those in. Andy, you there? I'm here. Hey, man. Uh, where, where are you at? What state? I'm in Canada. I'm in uh, British Columbia. Oh, there you go. International beer. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for sending us the beers. Uh, can you give us kind of a, a brief rundown of what we have in front of us? Sure. Do you want to have one in mind you want to start with? Yeah, yeah, let's, yeah, light to dark. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the lightest it would be that golden sour. I'd probably actually consider that more maybe a, a sour saison. And it's uh, it's a blend of three different bases, uh, and yeah, bottled up in November twenty first of two thousand fifteen. So we've got, uh, geez, I don't know, how do you want me to do this? Because they're like there's a whole bunch of various different uh, cultures that have been been going, and then I blended and then bottled. Let's let's pause on the golden for a second, then, and uh, kind of go over the microorganisms. You know, is it you say there's a lot of different uh, cultures in here. Is it kind of a blend of, you say, and you also mentioned it was a sour saison. Did you do a saison saccharomyces on its own and then blend in sour later? How did you get the saison character in there? When did the sour come in? And what do you feel okay. like are the um, dominant well, cultures? Well, a couple of the uh, components were, they were actually supposed to be a quick sour that didn't really work. Um, so I just sort of pitched the some bread and sack to... Uh, fermented out and added dregs and just turned it into a, a long age sour. Uh, and one of the, the third component of that one is uh, was fermented with the East Bay Farmhouse Sour Blend. And then yeah, and then I just sort of uh, over time, I guess they were they're about eight months old, eight and five months old, um, and then blended together. Uh, there's oak cubes thrown in some of them, and 
just blended them up and bottled them, uh, forest carbonated. Nice. Well, that sounds like you got a, you got a lot of stuff going on, and it maybe sounds like you know that was a true kind of home blending experience where you're taking a lot of different characters and putting them together into a cohesive unit. How do you think, in your opinion, this this turned out? This one actually, I am not that impressed with that bottling. Uh, it, when I blended it, when I when I made the mix or the blend, like the test blend, um, one of the components had not a lot of sour, but a fair amount of funk going on. And I thought, okay, well, that could maybe make a nice component. Uh, I feel like that one maybe ended up being a bad choice for the for the blend. And uh, immediately once it blended, uh, or once I bottled it, sorry, maybe a, a couple months into it, it just came out with a huge fecal aroma. And uh, not so much in the flavor, but the aroma was fairly offensive. So I'm kind of curious on your guys' opinion on that one. I can. It, this is not my favorite beer. <laughs> Scott, why don't you? Well, why don't you go first? So what do you think? that I, I now that you say that, I can smell very faintly the remnants of that fecal aroma. Barely. I don't know that I would have picked that as what that was, unless you said something. But I don't know if you agree with that, Jay. From now, maybe it's just a psychosomatic thing that's playing with my mind. But I feel like I can now perceive the remnants of it. I also feel like it has a pretty tart character to it. It's got an assertive tartness, so I'm I'm, I'm surprised to um, hear you say it that that wasn't where you wanted it to be. It's it's more in the aroma, really. That that uh, I notice it, and, and you're right. It, it's really calmed down now. It's getting a little bit better. Um, I might be a little sensitive to that aroma because I seem to pick that out of a lot of uh, even just straight Brett beers, not not even sour beers. I, I yeah, I mean it's uh, definitely. Tart and and lemony and and I, I do. It's a very refreshing beer, as far as I can tell. I just I can't seem to get past the aroma on that one. Hmm. I I I think. I mean, I quite enjoy it. I think it has a, a nice like a Chardonnay character to it. And like you said, it's kind of lemony and it's refreshing. Great for a hot day, which it currently is here uh, down in non-Canada. And I I'm impressed with this beer. I, I like it a lot. Yeah, I, I'd have to echo that. I, I like this beer. Um, I don't get any off flavor in the aroma. No. Uh, what I do get is sort of this thing that we see sometimes in sour beers, which is, again, I, I would caution that I'm not describing this as diacetyl, but it, it, it'll sound like I am. It's kind of like an oak butter, almost like yeah. a, a, a combination of like the oak, the kind of vanilla character you pull out of that, and then just like a, just a rich kind of butteriness, but not even close, and maybe this is hard to describe over the air, but just not, not close to what I commonly see as diastole in beers. Um, you notice how I diplomatically said it's Chardonnay. Yeah, yeah. Which it and is. I, I would agree with that. that buttery but it, oak it, character. It's, it's sort of a pleasant, a pleasant component if you're not like overly concerned about diastole and you're just kind of you know, not looking for flaws in a beer, I think you would quite enjoy it. So um, I, I, I personally don't get the off aroma that you're talking about, but yeah, I would agree with Scott. I think it's got some some lemon kind of sharp acidity. I wouldn't say it's like too, too sour, um, but yeah, overall I would say I, you know, if this was a beer on tap somewhere, I would drink the whole thing and not think, not think twice of it. 
You also, uh, Andy, in your in your notes here, uh, in your email, said uh, more reminiscent of a wild cider uh, than a beer, mainly due to like the no, you know, hop character and the kind of light body. Uh, uh-huh. And I don't know. Do you, do you get that, Jay? And also, what I meant to ask you too, Andy, how long, how often were you were you tasting this? Like, have, have you tasted it recently? You got one in front of you now. I do have one in front of me now. Yeah. Okay. And were you tasting it like like once a month, or you know, along the along its along its way? Yeah, I would say I'd, I'd probably open a bottle once a month and, and check it out. It, definitely at the beginning. I brought it into the – I work at a brewery as well, actually, and brought it in for the guys there. And they right away said, wow, that's weird. Like, the aroma doesn't really match the flavor. And that was early on when I bottled it, so I sort of – and I, I agreed with them. So I, I sort of left it for a few months anyways before I kind of revisited it. Jay, do you ever have that happen with, with Rare Barrel beers where where that – it doesn't the flavor and the aroma f- are feel like they're clashing or don't match yeah for sure i i think sometimes we've gotten it kind of in a, a subtle aroma and then an aggressive flavor but also i think one of the most interesting things is that if you have a beer that i know this is not a thing and if if lauren was listening she would scold me for this but a beer that like smells sour like you smell it and you like oh this is going to be a sour beer and then you go to taste it and it's like just lightly tart. That's kind of an enjoyable experience for me when I get that because it's like you get all the aromatics of the sour beer without the kind of bracing acidity. I think that's something that a lot of brewers are going for. But for this now with some age, for me tasting this blind or not not necessarily blind, just out of the blue, I, I don't think the aroma and flavor are are too froth in in my eyes but uh yeah i don't i don't think so either i think maybe andy you like you said you're particularly sensitive to it and maybe your earlier experiences with the aroma are, are sort of clouding your your like the you know how you're experiencing it currently because i i agree it seems to match fine to me as well yeah well or not as much clouding just informing your your current right opinion R- right yeah I, th- I, I think that's a solid beer Agreed. Okay, so the next one here, we have a uh, the uh, dry hop sour, right, is the middle one? Yeah, that's right. So that's actually uh, includes uh, two of the three. Um, I left out the one that I didn't like the aroma from the last one. So it's only uh, blended with two of the beers. Uh, and then dry hopped in the corny keg with two ounces of citra and one ounce of motueka from New Zealand. Uh, again, force, force carbonated and bottled. Uh, and I do find that this one is much less of that, or, or none of that fecal aroma that I got from the last one. I can kind of, like, deduce that that was maybe an issue, uh, maybe in the last beer there. Yeah, that's interesting. And I, I definitely notice when I'm tasting somewhat similar beers side by side, if you're tasting them at the same time, you, you often get... It's, it's a powerful exercise that you often... And I don't know if anyone out there can relate, or if you can, Andy, but... It's just I taste them side by side, and then the one that I like less, I all of, all of a sudden hate. Like I just like it's almost right. like I can't even drink it, which is weird. It's a weird thing that's yeah, happening yeah. in my mind. I know exactly what you mean because I end up trying all these at the same time. And it's like if I just had it on its own, and then I often do. Like later on, I'm like, oh, this this is a fine beer, or you know, I'll taste. I have two beers side by side. I taste the first one first. I'm oh, that's fine. Taste the second one. Oh, I like that better. Back to the first one. Oh, this first one's disgusting. You know, it's just yeah, yeah, it's yeah, so no, exactly. It, it's so <laughs> so odd. But uh, yeah, I find that actually is worse with sour beers um, when there's just so many crazy flavors going on that you know I could probably do a flight of pale ales and not really 
think one one was better than the other too much, you know. But when you go back and forth with sour beers, that's when I really notice certain flavors really jump out more. I'd say that's about right. Um, and and when I'm doing this side by side with these two beers, I, I see similar characteristics. And the the one thing I see, I actually prefer the first beer. Yeah, I agree. To this one, mm. the 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 aroma of the second beer has this kind of um, what I what I like to call like a a dry erase marker. Interesting. I was going to say um, kind I was, of aroma. I was searching my rolodex of terms, and the best I was thinking was like the anise or like um, like juniper or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I but, can see that. It, yeah, it, the dry erase is kind of accurate too. Yeah, but it, it it's not offensive, but it smells like an off off aroma. Uh, that might sound like I'm characterizing it as like an ethyl acetate type aroma, which is commonly associated with like nail polish. It's not that. No, I, I don't think it's that. I, I have gotten this um, in some dark sour beers before, so I, I'm just I don't know how to relate that to this beer. It, it could be the hop contribution or some oxidation or something like that, but. I'm not sure where I would say it's not a bad beer. It's just maybe what you described that you didn't like about the first one is what I don't like about this one. There's just like something about the aroma that slightly bothers me and kind of hinders my my full enjoyment of this beer. Yeah, and it's it's there too a little bit in the in the flavor as well. It's again not offensive. Like I'm continuing to sip this, mm-hmm. but it's there. It's there in the flavor. How how old is this beer? How long uh, ago did it see the the hops? I would say probably around Christmas time, yeah, uh, 2015, yeah, so a few months old. And then, yeah, I think he's got a note here, bottled uh, February, early February of, the, of this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's not super-duper old or anything. It's just, uh, and, and again, if we were not, if you didn't send us these beers for feedback, I probably wouldn't be, you know, that nitpicky on this. I, I think the flavor is good, and there's no major off flavors. This is just like, I'm kind of evaluating your beers as I would my own, and I'd be like, uh, something's a little bit off about this uh, this aroma here, but I, I can't pinpoint where it comes from exactly. Hey, Andy, did you go into this beer thinking it was going to be dry hopped, or did you kind of taste it later and say, hey, I should probably dry hop this? Yeah, actually later. I, I After I did the, the first one you guys tried, I thought, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna try throwing some dry hops in there and see if, if that's going to affect anything or, or make it better. I've made a few of the uh, not kettle soured, but sour worded, you know, uh, dry hop sours and uh really like those so i kind of wanted to see how that was going to be with with one that's more long aged with bread a little more complex and with some oak and uh yeah see how that that turned out as well it was actually dry hopped only for two days um i I sort of tasted it along the way and thought oh cow holy cow that's like fairly hoppy so i pulled it out in two days and uh it definitely masked the the bread aromatics and stuff for a little while and then now it's sort of mellowing out so maybe it's just an age thing i i'm not too sure something we've been messing around with uh technique wise with our dry hops at the rare barrel is a shorter contact time um you know we want to avoid too much contact with the hops the theory is that we're kind of if we go for a longer dry hop we may be encouraging kind of a more pickly flavor, you know, kind of the combination of something that's vegetal with the hops and then acidic uh, with the sour beer. Um, so maybe a short contact time just kind of pulls off just enough of the aromatics of the hops and then you pull it off and make sure it doesn't stay in contact too long. So I, I, I like that method. Um, and You're not using chat for that, are you? 
not using Chef for that, but we will one day, you know, put some uh, some whole cones in there and ropedo it up. Yeah, it'll be uh, a fun project. What What did you think, Andy, of the hops? What do you think the hops did to this beer? I get I get kind of like that that white piss, um, like a citrus piss. Um, sort of like a, a, it's fruity, but like a rustic fruity. I don't know, like if, if that makes makes sense. But um, uh, I've also noticed with Motueka sometimes, especially in in sour beers, that it can can have almost a weird dusty kind of flavor to it. It's an odd hop. It's a very strange hop. I, I kind of I just have a bunch of it at the brewery that I so I play with it a lot, but I don't know how much I really like it to begin with. That's um, so yeah, you know it's it's got an interesting. Um, I would I don't even know how to really say it. maybe like a rustic quality to it. We we did a, a beer with Matueka and it was to me it was very subtle. So we had to use a whole lot of it. It was, it was probably our highest hopping rate for any anything so far. I don't remember the exact. I remember the the total volume, but I don't remember the the beer volume. But I think it was. Probably upwards of three or four pounds per BBL, which is wow, a pretty big charge. Yeah, maybe you wouldn't have liked that beer. <laughs> I, get, I end up. It seems like um, like an artificial lime character, uh, like or and bordering maybe even like um, the Thai Thai lime. It, yeah, just sort of a almost like an artificial lime or lemon character to it. I think hop selection is like such a big thing when it comes to dry hop sour beers. Gotta be super careful and kind of go with what makes sense. I mean, we've we've learned a little bit about Amarillo, but we've moved on. We did a a mosaic uh, dry hop just recently, and you know I think we did about two point two pounds per BBL uh, with a single dry hopping, and you know I think we could have backed off on that a little bit. I think in larger amounts that gets a little dieselly. Um, mm-hmm. we had a very, very light diesel. This is just my interpretation of how the beer came out too. So take it with a grain of salt. Also, I don't know anything about hops, but <laughs> you know, it's just like you, you almost, you almost want to reduce that down to the point where you get more of like the, the strawberry berry melon character that I think mosaic almost comes off as like a little bit of like a Brett aromatic in, in lower doses. So that, that would be interesting for me to retry, but yeah, I think hop, oh, yeah, interesting. hop, uh, hop, dry hopping and sour beer is, is something that we're all learning a lot about. But I mean, it's it's pretty difficult actually. It's not as simple as uh, you know throwing a bunch of hops into a pale ale. I think we're we're finding out along the way. All right, so let's uh, let's just do this the the dark sour real quick before we do our show break here. This one is well, you you tell us. All right, yeah, this one was, uh, this is actually Jamil's oatmeal stout recipe, loosely based, um, and I pitched a English strain. This is about a year and a half ago, maybe a little more now, and it completely under-attenuated, and so I thought, hey, what the heck, I'll throw some Lambicus and Bretois at it, and then a bunch of, uh, actually, Tart of Darkness from the brewery, um, dregs, and from Tillich and Goose dregs, and let that go for a little while, and uh, quickly realized that uh, there is a serious clash. I think you guys were talking about it earlier today. Serious clash between the roast and the chocolate and the sour and the oak. Um, so I brewed up a, a quick sour, a sour-worded red base, pitched lacto and PDO based on the rare barrels techniques, and 
and then finished it with a Trappist High Gravity and the Brussels Brett blend from the East Bay. And that was that was that quick sour red was sort of brewed with the intention of blending out this stout because it, it was fairly intense by itself. So I think it ended up about 75% quick sour red with uh, 15% of the stout, and uh, then again force carbonated and bottled. And the bottle you guys have actually uh, was just bottled off the the tap. I didn't have a chance to get the Blickman beer gun out for that one, so. I'm hoping the carb level's okay. It's been a while now that I've dropped them off for you. So, no, it's it's nice. Yeah, carb levels yeah, it's right there. I worry a little bit about how much oxygen got in it. Yeah. from that yeah. bottling because this one, when comparing it to the last one, the dry hop, it does transcend that kind of like dry erase to it is creeping into very low ethyl acetate area for me. Not not okay. a, not offensive. And I, I should say, I should catch this with saying, I love the flavor of this beer. Yeah. I think the malt character is awesome. Yeah. I think there's there's so many good things going on in here. There's light caramel. There's uh, dark cherry. There's raisin. There's very, very light rose character. Just a lot of complexity, but still very drinkable. I think there's this beer has so much uh, going for it. It's just that... that Part about the aroma bothers me, but I mean, you could probably chalk it up to just the the way it was introduced into the bottle. But uh, otherwise, I think very, very good beer. This is probably my favorite of the bunch. Yeah, I would have loved to have tried it off your tap. All oh, right, on. Well, thank you very much. Um, just as to the aroma there, uh, like ethyl acetate. What exactly are you tasting? I guess <laughs> you know. Right. So for me, it's it's a smell, and at low levels, it starts. Kind of as a, a perfume, aromatic exactly, potpourri perfume, and it can be, it can be pleasant in that way. Now, I personally don't find it pleasant because it, it's you know part of my job to find that, and immediately in my brain I'm just like, oh god, this is if this if this is like an oak barrel sample, I'm like, oh well, well this needs to be packaged before mm-hmm. this gets any worse, kind of thing, kind of sets off alarms. And you're particularly tuned into it, like you're saying, and it doesn't, like you said, it's not offensive on its own. Like no, a potpourri no, no. thing could go in like a like a Whitby or something, but it just doesn't quite match with the sort of cherry chocolate malty thing that this beer's got going. I can almost find it to be pleasant and positive if that wasn't my mindset. Like I could, right. I could see myself smelling this and saying, I like this, but it's just not, you know, just, just by experience, it's, it's something that I associate with bad news. So... Um, so, so it starts as perfume and then I'm definitely picking that out too, for sure. Okay, cool. And then it kind of slowly gets into like, you know, more intense perfume. And then it's almost like that, uh, just like, I don't know, a lot of perfumes are alcohol based, but just that solvent where it's like, whoa, there's like, you can smell chemical almost. And that's where like the nail polish kind of comes in. Right. And literally just like, if you smell nail polish, it is the exact the exact same smell and then that'll start low and then kind of creep upwards. And, you know, I found that, uh, people are the, the variance between people's, uh, ability to pick up those aromatics varies wildly. So one thing we do at the rare barrel is just, we're kind of, we're just very honest about kind of our, our pros and cons as, uh, tasters. And it's not like, um, an ego thing. It's not like, Oh, if you can't pick something up, like you're, bad at your job or anything it's it's kind of what you're born with which is why 
we try to involve as many tasters in the process as possible. I mean, someone we just hire, it's like, all right, hey, taste taste all these beers, and your your opinion is going to be weighed equally because if you don't like this, you don't like it for a reason, and you know your palate is just as good as everyone else's. I think the only thing that changes over time is your ability to link what you're experiencing, either in aromas or flavors, with a vocabulary, with a memory in your mind. That's the only thing that gets better. Your your actual senses, I don't think, get like that much better over time. It's just your ability to say, oh, this smells like a shoe, or, oh, this smells like, you know, can, new can of tennis balls right when you open it, or, you know, all these random things that you come up with, yeah. like, you know, dry erase marker, whatever it is, you get better at that over time but what you sense is kind of um you know it's just kind of in you to start and my my big one is oxidation i can't i'm not good at sensing that it needs to hit me over the head and you know people give me beers it's like i think this is a little oxidized what do you think and i'm like i I have this this is fine and i also have questions about hops yeah (laughs) and this you know i'll just be like this is fine for me so uh so it's something you you kind of develop and understand about yourself but you know, it, it, it happens with time, and you get to know your own uh, tasting strengths and weaknesses, but then also you develop that vocabulary. So that was a long rant, but that, that's kind of my rundown on, on ethyl acetate uh, individually and then kind of just flavors overall more broadly. All right, we'll give you the last word, Andy, before we do our show break here. Uh, me the last word? Sure. <laughs> no, I appreciate I appreciate the feedback, guys. That's a really cool um, – I We'll work on these, and I'm going to send you guys some more. <laughs> That'd be great. Excellent. And you're off to a really good start. You know, I think uh, you're a champ for uh, taking the constructive criticism, but, I mean, you can tell there's a lot of care put into these beers, and, yeah, you, you got some good stuff. So we'll, we'll take more beers from you anytime. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for sending these in, Andy. That's really cool. Appreciate it very much. You want to do uh, one question to our show break because we're running a little overtime? Sure, yeah. All right. Uh, let's go back to the... Milk the Funk questions and do one from Alfredo Rodriguez. He said, I noticed um, how recent rare barrel sours have more Brett character, especially pineapple and stone fruit compounds. Would you attribute this to using sac in primary? There's more, but what do you think? Uh, thanks for the question, Alfredo. Good to hear from you. Uh, met before Alfredo's a, a good guy. Um, yeah, you know, that's, that's funny. That's what we were just talking about earlier with uh, the high mash temp. You know, I think... The combo of the high mash temp and the Saccharomyces kind of together has contributed a little more aromatics to our beer. Um, To attribute those aromatics directly to Brett, I think, you know, I'm not quite sure. I'm, you know, totally 100% confident in that. But because, I mean, with Saccharomyces, you are going to drive certain aromatics there anyway. Um, But, yeah, I think we are getting more aroma into our beers and that as we've talked about before that's that's been a goal of ours so i think i think saccharomyces has been a key i think our uh dre uh bread beers have been pretty clean uh when using dre as the primary fermenter uh the question goes on any experience on how specific strains of sack like belgian or saison or just 001 uh affect the character of brett in the finished beer yeah, I think that's that's kind of what we're trying out right now. So we've done 01, 02. Um, we've done a little bit of Belgian yeast. We did the Bastogne. We did uh, a few different strains of Saison. I definitely think Saison is Saison and maybe Belgian yeast are probably the most promising, whereas the English ale 
gives a little more of a neutral flavor, but isn't quite as boring, I'd say, as 001. I mean, we've made a lot of 001 beer, and I think the staff described it as like, you know, pub beer, which, you know, maybe be maybe is derogative towards pubs, but <laughs> it's just kind of like, you know, just the the blonde ale, the, you know, the amber, that the the pale ale, just that kind of classic maybe to some people boring lineup. And it's just not a lot of yeast character, just a whatever beer. I don't think we've had a lot of success driving too many aromatics. But I think aroma is, you know, it's so volatile, it's so hard to catch that I think a lot of it happens at the end of the process. And that's something we're starting to investigate now is how we can capture that maybe down the line further, how we can capture it uh, with fermenting Saccharomyces in the absence of acidity. So blending in sour beer later or adding a sour beer culture later or in lower volumes, you know, so it's stuff that we're playing around with uh, all the time. Um, but as I said before, decades long experiment and uh, we're just going down our list, checking off boxes and trying to find the answer. Well, there you go. It's a typical uh, sour hour Q&A show where there was <laughs> not a lot of Q. Not a lot of Q. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of A, man, I really blabber on. Well, if you you want to hear more good information, you may want to listen to another BN show, like (laughs) Brew Strong, Dr. Homebrew, Brewing with Style, and The Session. Uh, Definitely check all those guys out. And uh, we'll be coming back with uh, hopefully a lot more questions. We'll come back with uh, Dr. Lambic. Yeah, Doc's going to stay on the line. We're going we're gonna to get through some questions. He's a big answer guy, yeah. so, uh, <laughs> so that'll be good. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll check in on the Warriors game. Hopefully they'll be doing well. Sorry for anyone listening in Oklahoma City, but, you know. It's not looking good. You checked it out there? No, but yeah. it's, and, 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 you know, Warriors are down in the series, but just, they, they're around. the Warriors. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Rock's a rock, OKC. We'll be sure to update you on this uh, live basketball game that you'll probably listen to on the podcast weeks from now (laughs) on the next episode of The Sour Hour.